So when the why evolves, suddenly you realize that you're not willing to waste time anymore. And you start to look at things in a matter of, I, I need to be doing what I'm doing right now. I need to be sharing with others what the UN Sustainable Development Goals are. I need to be sharing with others the stories that are in my documentary. I need to be sharing with people about investing in things that are congruent with their values and their passions in life and not allowing us to do things that are contrary to our beliefs. Opening the doors to things that people never imagined. And, and, and that's where I just thrive. I just feel so fed when I'm doing those sort of things. So the time is, you know, after you get intoxicated with those things that are really important, the time then becomes really important. So it's why, and then the time is, my time is so sacred. I, I owe it to everybody to, to, to be really good about managing that. So definitely a clear linkage between why and then time. You are listening to The Real Leaders Podcast, where leaders keep it real. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that was the founder of the Vanderbilt Financial Group and Chief Disruption Officer at ImpactU, Steve Destante, who helps us find our why and eliminate everything else. In today's episode, Destante shares tips on time management, how impact investments provide more than a financial return, and how to manage fear in uncharted territory. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the real Steve Destante. Enjoy. Okay, in five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Alongside me today, we have Steve Destante, the CEO and chairman of Vanderbilt Financial Group, the president of EO Long Island, co-producer of the Prom Musical on Broadway, an entrepreneur organization, global UN ambassador, and lastly, the chief disruption officer at Impact U. Steven, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Kevin. Excited to talk to all these fellow real leaders out there. Well, Stephen, you know, you're a leader in this space. You're, you're taking on a lot of responsibilities. It, is there anything that you don't do? I don't do. Yeah, the list is actually getting longer and longer, the things I don't do. I don't do things that are not in my why. I, I have real, really narrowed myself to be in a space where I can spend the majority of my time being within my why. And um, so there's a lot I don't do nowadays. It's been the, uh, it's been quite the journey of being able to figure out how to properly allocate my time. Steve, uh, a lot of people aren't really certain or haven't really pinpointed down why they do what they do. I'm trying to get my why statement going myself. I have an idea but it's, it's very hard to keep digging down and peeling back those layers. What's your why and how did you come across it? Great question. So my why, and I've done Simon Sinek workshops with a forum of other leaders of leaders. Um, and my why is to ignite entrepreneurs, leaders, and students to be impactful in the world. Mm. And that's, that's where the essence of who I am has been 
end been uncovered. It's sort of like when Michelangelo looks at a piece of marble, there's some sort of statue in there, some sort of figure in there, and it's his job or was his job simply to find it. And for me, in in a leadership world, um, having gotten so much satisfaction over the years of being able to mentor people, bring people to higher levels, but more importantly, bring them to an awareness of what really gets them excited and feel alive and identify where they are in their journey. That's what gets me there. So if I were talking with you and I was mentoring you, let's say, I'd say, Kevin, I know you have some things in your life that are really exciting and empowering, right? Like you you do, right? You're in this, you're doing this podcast with real leaders. So I have to assume leadership has something to do with it. Is that right? Totally. Okay. And there are other things that, that you have that really get you excited, make you feel purposeful. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, would you like to know or (laughs) I want to know, uh, what, what makes me feel purposeful? I I feel like my work right now, uh, people, at least in my mind, I feel like are dependent on it. I feel like this is a, a format and a platform that's also igniting this impact. And that's also reaching in, in, opening that discussion of how, of what is business being used as a force for good and how can it be done. So I hope down the line I can be a, a unique individual that can be seen in this light and inspire others along the way. But would you say you're doing it already though? I would. Yes. Okay. And, and how satisfying do you find that? Uh, <laughs> how satisfying? I don't know if the word is satisfying for me. It's been a really rocky road of, of like anything else and like any other business you try to start. Um, I guess the satisfaction is what I'm hoping comes later. Um, I think it's satisfying that people feel like they can talk to me just like yourself. Um, and, and so that's really the satisfying part of my job is, is the podcast. But other than that, it's, it's been, it's been a rocky road. It's been a, a, you know, taking a lot to stick with it. And what do they say about your journey, right? To success. It's like being in a sailboat tacking back and forth in order to get there. There's no one straight way. And our journey of finding our why and my journey of finding my why has been illuminating along the way. And as you go down the road, things are going to, you're going to practice or play with things that are going to work and others that are not going to work so well, but you know, you got it right when time just doesn't exist anymore. When you're in a presence where you're totally present for the person you're with or the thing that you're doing. So, you know, it's the artist who can just paint, you know, for days on end without having any sleep or, or food or anything. Right. And for us, us leaders of leaders, because that, that's the category I would put you in. It's being able to inspire other people to be the best version of themselves. Mm. And starting off with that one statement and then playing with it. And that's how suddenly you start to take your why statement and whittle it down. The challenge that people run into is there's a, you have a few limited resources, right? So it may be money, right? And we have a, we could have an abundance mentality about money or scarcity mentality about money. And what I find is that when people are living a congruent life, as I call it, where your life is on purpose and you're very much engaged in that purpose, suddenly the money comes. You don't have to do much about it. 
the money just appears for you and that's a wonderful thing the next scarcity mentality because then if we're if we in if we're in line with that purpose the money will come assuredly it's rare that it doesn't the next line we start going into from a scarcity mentality perspective is time. Suddenly we find we don't have enough time. And the reason we don't have enough time is because we have not looked at how we're spending our time and we haven't aligned our time with our purpose really well. We didn't let go of the things that we should potentially let go of because out of fear that maybe this isn't going to work out. So taking your time and narrowing it down into being being impact as impactful as per, as possible in in your line of of why gives you that ability. So one of the questions I always ask myself is Kevin, if you asked me to do a podcast tomorrow, would I do it? Or if you asked me to do it three weeks from now, would I do it? And if it was tomorrow and I'd say no, I might as well not accept that. Hmm. A lot of us take these long-term uh, um, obligations and they end up being problematic because they're not in alignment with what we are passionate about. The other thing is you're passionate about it, right? When you are in your Y zone, you're just excited to share it with people and people are attracted to that because you are inspiring them in a different way. So it's... What does inspire mean? It means in spirit. It means the energy that comes from out, out from out, inside, within, and that's that's where I've been living. And you'll get there. You're in, you're on your journey, um, but it's a matter of those illuminations along the way. And there's things you're going to find totally energizing. That's in your wise zone also. So get rid of time. All of a sudden, time doesn't exist. That's that's a really good indication indicator. You're passionate about it. You can do it all day long and people are attracted to it and the money starts to follow. It'll start to happen in a meaningful way. So I'm, I'm sure if you need a little more tips on finding your why, I'll, I'll help you with it. Well, everything that you just uh, described to me, Steve, is is really what I feel like right now. Uh, other than I feel like maybe the satisfaction tends to ebb and flow a little bit. But like being in that why, when I'm doing a podcast like right now, when I'm editing a podcast, when I'm editing a video, I am locked in. And I this is all I think about. I work in the home office. (laughs) I come back and and I continue working into the nighttime and it doesn't even feel like work. It just it's just fun. You know, it's fun. And I laugh and I, you know, I I try to make these podcasts as as solid as possible while managing a team. And it just gets to be a lot every now and then. Um, But, you know, I guess that's just what what comes with it. But in terms of time management, that is something I am struggling with. Um, Mm. How do you balance uh, all these tasks and obligations uh, and in your lifestyle, especially, you know, at this point in your career? Well, I have a couple of assistants that are strongly aligned with what it is that I'm doing. Um, email and communications has been problematic and I've come to, um, a pr- process that I use now, which is typically checking email three times a day. Mm-hmm. I allocate a time frame each day. And I don't pay attention to it the rest of the day. 
Yeah. So, so three times a day, I allocate time and attempting to keep a zero inbox is, is, is a lofty goal for me because a lot of things have follow-ups that I have to either have other people help me with, or I have to spend some time. I'm working with a virtual assistant as well. So a VA to be able to do certain things for me so I can do a voice message for an email or so. And then it gets transcribed overnight by a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a big plus for me. And then just being very intentional about my time, how it's spent so that I'm able to be available for the things that are in my zone of importance, right? I don't want to be urgent and important, but those things happen in our lives. But I look at what zone I'm working in, and if it's not important, I'm not doing the right things. So that's how I manage my time for the most part. I make sure I schedule downtime, and I typically will meditate once or twice a day, um, typically 10 to 15 minutes in order to center my brain, because I find by two, three o'clock, you have a lot of frenetic energy going on, and the meditation just kind of centers you again Um, I don't know how it happens. I'm not a guru when it comes to that stuff. All I know is that it does in fact work for me. Uh, Steve, uh, I'm reading the four hour work week right now. I I think Mm. a lot what you're describing might be in there. I don't know how you, which is, which I guess is going to bring up my next question. What came first, this, this time management skill or your why? My why came first and the time management was something, the lack of time management is something I struggled with, but tolerated for a long time. And the reason I tolerated it was because I didn't have anything better to do. I was, oh great, I got emails, let's do it. And when you really started to look at your why, and I like to describe your why, at least for me, is imagine your child on a train track and a train's coming and you have your eyes locked on your why, which is your kid on those tracks, you will not let an email, a phone call, a text, or anything let you deviate from that. Mm. And you're completely locked in on getting that why, getting to that why, being able to serve that reason for existence. At that point, it becomes really important to be able to figure out how to have the best time management So when the why evolves, suddenly you realize that you're not willing to waste time anymore. And you start to look at things in a matter of, I I need to be doing what I'm doing right now. I need to be sharing with others what the UN Sustainable Development Goals are. I need to be sharing with others the stories that are in my documentary. I need to be sharing with people about investing in things that are congruent with their values and their passions in life and not allowing us to do things that are contrary to our beliefs, opening the doors to things that people never imagined. And and, and that's where I just thrive. I just feel so fed when I'm doing those sort of things. So the time is, you know, after you get intoxicated with those things that are really important, the time then becomes really important. So it's why, and then the time is, my time is so sacred. I, I owe it to everybody to, to, to be really good about managing that. So definitely a clear linkage between why and then time. So your why being to, uh, it was an ignite impact. Was that the word? Or it's to ignite entrepreneurs 
leaders and students to be impactful in the world, meaning as I'm talking to you, um, sharing some of the stories, some of the things that we're doing, and then suddenly you want to like, wow, I, I want to do that. That's pretty cool. But you get, that's what part of your job, you get to meet some really awesome leaders. What does impact mean to you? Impact is using our gifts, talents, um, gifts, talents, influences, sometimes money um, in order to have the greatest effect on others and on the world um, in order to fulfill our life, you know, to fulfill the reason why we were put on earth. That's mm. what that's what impact means to me It's it's being responsible with the gifts and talents that we have, because truthfully, it's scary out there to do what I believe I was meant to do here. I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert by any stretch of the imagination. And being in alignment with my why also helps me to break out of my shell, get out of my head, and actually be ex, you know, external versus just internal as a lot of our, us introverts are. Steve, you were in uh, impact investing, or at least uh, it, from what I've read, uh, Vanderbilt Financial Group is, is heavily uh, allocating its 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 uh, resources to impact investments. Is that a fair assumption that, to make? Without a doubt, we're considered the number one investment firm that's committed to being impactful with the money that's invested. Yes, incredible. Uh, how do you distinguish uh, impact in the in financial terms and in investor terms? Um, in in terms of uh, what is the business that creates impact versus a business that is not creating impact? Well, impact is different for everybody, meaning there are things that are important to you and maybe not to others. So you're going to have things that you're going to want to absolutely positively not have inside your portfolio. So maybe it's oil, right? There's a good one. Maybe it's a pharmaceutical company. Maybe it's a tobacco company, an alcohol company, whatever it is. That's exclusionary and that's been going on for decades. The inclusionary method is where we're investing in things that are targeted, that are pinpointed to things that are super important to us. There's a company, and I'm not making any any recommendations for investments, but there's a company we work with that um, invests, gives people, gives clients an opportunity to invest in uh, small farms in third world countries that are B Corps and run by women. Hmm. Well, that's pretty cool, right? And they're micro loans, and those micro loans have a ninety plus percent um, payback. Uh, so, from their success, they're able to take that money and roll it forward and do some more impactful things. But that's a story that would be interesting to an audience of people. Another company that we're working with plants trees that eat eleven times a carbon of any tree on earth. They grow very rapidly, they're non-invasive, they're not bamboo. And in 10 years, an investor can see a significant return on their investment if it's done right, and be able to help farmers remain sustainable, help and, and, and reduce carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and really have a major impact, basically wipe out your carbon footprint well, that's pretty cool. Like there, a lot of these are stories that you've never heard of and they're unique. And that's not the entire portfolio, 
right? Maybe you'll be in bonds that are invested in a, you know, a, a, a program to stop um, people from going back to prison, recidivism bonds or so. There's all sorts of interesting stories of how you can invest your money so it aligns with your values. And a lot of times as an advisor, it's incumbent upon them. We have about 200 advisors. And the question that they ask, the questions that they ask are very relevant because it draws out of the people what's important to them. But we keep, what we keep seeing over and over again now is that clients are coming to us. They're hearing about these things that they can do with their money and they bring either opportunities to us or I'm never going to do this again. It's not going to happen like this again with my money. I want to do this. And they challenge the advisor to be you know, in line with their values when they're investing especially women, especially young people, they're very, they're very engaged in the way their money is invested. And then people who've made it, people who've made lots of money. The way I found out about impact investing is roughly 78 years ago, I was sitting with a board member of EO New York. His name is Chintan Pancho. And Chintan is an attorney. And he, he asked me, what do I do? And I said, well, I have a broker dealer, I have some RIAs. Um, and he says, well, what's your business like? And I said, well, we have a lead platinum building. I said, I've got 295 solar panels, they provide 98% of the electric. I've got carpets made out of fish nets from small fishing villages. Like I was sharing with them all the features and functions. They said, if you Google me, you'll find that I'm, if you Google Tesla's number one fan or Tesla's biggest fan, I'm the first hit because of my commitment to electric cars. And he's like, wow, we have a foundation called Heroes Against Heroin, um, which was born out of some uh, heroin uh, death. And we decided to do something about it with one of our advisors. And he looked at me, he goes, you know, there's a whole world out there called impact investing. And I'm an impact attorney. And my job is to take billionaires, typically money, invest into things that are environmentally, socially beneficial, get them a good return, but also have an impact in another way. And my job is to quantify the impact that they say they're going to have and then follow up on it. And that was my awakening. That was my awakening. And it was, it allowed me to align my, my passion for doing good with business with the, the, the business that I was in. And it, didn't seem doable at the time. It was just fraught with, you know, compliance and regulators and all that kind of stuff. And suddenly I was awakened to this world that, wow, we can actually have people invest in things that are awesome, that are different and, and make people feel excited about the investment they're in. So you see, I'm co-producer of the problem. Right. So what does that mean? I don't know if you know what the prom is. Did I you don't. see the prom? Um, it was on Broadway. It was about a woman, a girl who was in high school who was gay. And she wanted to bring her girlfriend to the prom, who was one of her schoolmates who was not out of the closet that she was gay. And the beauty of it was that this play brought humanity. It brought it brought compassion and it brought understanding to the journey that a person goes through in their lives 
not being like everybody else. And the beauty of the play also was that it brought parents and children who were often just opposed to their life choices together in a meaningful way so they understood more of their journey. And it was just a beautiful way of being able to make a difference from, from, from a Broadway show perspective, a theatrical perspective. Our daughter is a set designer, so we support the arts. We've always supported the arts. But this was a great opportunity to make a difference. And if you have seen the whole film, you'll see at one point the CMO, the chief marketing officer for Instagram, is also a co-producer. And he talks about his journey um, and why he got into this and how, how he got into the show. But it was our way of being impactful in the world. Um, they're going to turn into a movie now, and we got to go to the Tony Awards with them. And nice. So it's just it's it's been part of our journey. So we Fun. weave all of these interesting things in our lives in order to be, you know, serving others. And and we feel like we serve the arts. We serve the community of people who are looking to be understood and acknowledged in a very meaningful way um, by being part of that. So it doesn't. There's not just one way. Well, it's a part of your why. Again, it's going back to that. It's everything that you do. Um, but you did make a couple of good points there, Steve. I, I want to just touch on these really quick. So the uh, the attorney came to you and he said, you know, I, I work with you know millionaires and, and uh, billionaires to try to drive their funds towards impact. Um, you know, th- a lot of people assume impact investing are only uh, for the affluent, um, the wealthy. Um, and that you can't be an impact investor unless you already have made your money. Um, I like to note really quick that all in investments have impact. Um, you know where you're putting your money is going to have impact, and how I define impact. I, Steve, I've got a little online video glossary going. I'm, I'm kind of building right now, and I say uh, an impact investor is a type of investment advisory firm that exclusively focuses on investing in companies with a social or an environmental mission, i.e., you know the the the, the farm farms in agriculture and sustainable farming in these countries, something that wasn't there before is intentionally taking on a, a SDG goal, a problem, an environmental issue. Um, mm. So I guess uh, for people listening to this, what are some misconceptions about impact investing? And are there any trade-offs if I'm going to uh, put an investment towards a, a sustainable fund or a B Corp? Well, I will validate your first statement, which was that it was only for accredited or um, accredited or the wealthy, because that was the way it was. And that would that became my mission was to open people's eyes to and get offerings that are available now to people who are not accredited or not affluent or just regular people. Right. So my 401k options here that we have at the company that we offer to all of our employees has an impact option in it. So people can get into it a lot easier. So that's that's number one myth demystified. So it's available to people who are not accredited. Um, So that's that's the first item. The second thing, the myths that people believe in often is that impact investing is uh, philanthropy. They believe that if they're giving the money to this investment, 
they're not going to have a return and it's just going to be a nice thing to do to make myself feel better because I've given something to an organization that's in line with what is important to me. And that's not true either. Um, is there, is there, are there organizations that are into philanthropic, philanthropic, um, endeavors absolutely i was on the phone with one last night who was you know putting fresh water in 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 ldc's less developed countries and he was you know feeling really great about what he was doing but there was no profit motive my mindset what i do as an entrepreneur in a way that i've done all my life is to figure out to engineer ways of being able to make money and have impact ways of being able to use our gifts and talents as entrepreneurs in order to re-engineer a problem and, and, and give people solutions that they can use their energy towards. So energy could be money and energy could be work. Energy could be, you know, just that entrepreneurial mindset, being able to make those changes. Um, so when we're looking at an investment that has an impact, you're right. They can either have a positive or negative impact based upon the person's values. Because if the only thing that's interesting to you is to make a return, I can't believe that. If you're gonna tell me your number one priority is to make a return come hell or high water and they're clubbing seals, right? Is that important to you? And you might say, you know what? I don't really care about seals. Okay. They're clubbing babies. Is that important to you? Oh, geez. Who would club babies? Right. And the reality is there's something, there is some tripwire in you that would say, no, I would never do that for my money. Right. And it's our job as financial advisors in order to determine what it is that's important to you and to your legacy and what you're willing to do for that money. Right. To get that return. The higher returns are often more risky and the higher the anticipated or, or, or illustrated return is typically going to have more of a risk associated with it. However, that's not for everybody's portfolio and it could be for a small portion, let's say 10% or less, or even as much as 20%, depending on how you invest, how your investments look and your liquidity and so on. But when you're looking at your investments, there are ways of being impactful and not taking on a whole bunch of risk. Um, So impact is being aware, being able to to, uh, align your values, being understanding where your values lie and where your passions are. Let's put a little fun into your investment. You know, I was at the UN with this group of Australian wealthy people, I'll call them. Um, I believe many were billionaires. And, you know, they had um, one of the guys, I think it was uh, from um, the Rockefeller Foundation came in. One of the former Rock, one of the Rockefellers came in and, and talked. And they said, well, Steve's going to talk. This is what Steve does and so on and so forth. Do you want to hear more about impact entrepreneurship and investing and they did i guess they didn't do a good enough job the prior speaker so i talked about it and you know by show of hands i asked you know who who believed or had money in impact investing and it was all women and younger people and the other people that were in the room the majority of them were older men who didn't believe in it, didn't want to believe in it, and wanted to just simply focus on the money aspect of things. Hmm. 
And and so when we went around the room and started to figure it out, you know, I kind of tricked them because the truth of the matter is where impact investing is going is where the whole world is going as far as evaluating a company and its money and what it's worth in dollars, right? So Morningstar, John Hale from Morningstar, who heads up their impact investing rating, right? gives actually a score now to how sustainable, how impactful is that company because it's getting baked into the company's valuations. So now is it important? Yeah, it's absolutely important because no longer is it just money. A company is being evaluated based upon the impact, the way they treat their employees, how they're treating the earth, what their product's doing. All of those things are coming into how you will make money in the future. So impact investing is a wise thing to do from the perspective of you are looking toward the future in a way that is much different than most investors look. They just look at past performance. Mm. Well, future performance is even more important, isn't it? We don't care about the past. We want to know what the future looks like. And the future is going to be filled with people who are caring about what the company is doing from a social perspective, from an environmental perspective. Well, that's a matrix I want to look at. And, and thinking of the future, Steve, you mentioned you've been impact investing for, I think it was seven or eight years you just mentioned. That's right. Uh, I, I spoke with a, another impact investor as well who, who had this theory, I think it was like 10 or 15 years ago, um, and, and you know, in the game early on it. And you know, the theory was if we can um, you know, leverage capitalism and this evolution of, of uh, capitalism uh, to use capital markets and cash flow to take on these these uh, these problems in the world, uh, poverty, um, climate change, you know, the gender equality. If, if we're, if we're going to take, we can use the, the, you know, cash flow to take on these problems. Mm. And now he's seeing, you know, $9 trillion is now, you know, in and flowing around and then going towards these projects. Yet the, the difficulties and the challenges of climate change are increasing. Mm. There's 500, I went on the worldbank.com today, there's 591 million people in poverty still. And it's, it's, we're slowly getting out of poverty at like a 1.7% rate right now. But yet mm. the problems around the world, uh, uh, sea level rising, uh, uh, coral reefs imploding, ecosystems dying is increasing, even though more, more money is going this way. So for the long term investment, Yes, I, uh, it will definitely increase employee productivity. It'll help people find their why. It, it will uh, make, hopefully make these, these um, productions and these operations more sustainable. But do you think that we can actually achieve these goals by 2030? The quantification of the sustainable development goals is something that's just coming into focus. Uh, B-Labs B is... is planning on unveiling with the UN Global Compact a matrix as of Q1 2020. So in just a couple oh, really? of months. Yeah, and it's where people who are not part of the Global Compact and not a B Corp um, can can put together their results that they're having on the world. Um, there's a lot going on out there. And when we talk about the fear mentality that exists out there, it's a very low sense of existence, right? It's the reptilian or the amygdala section of our brain where we're waiting for this woolly mammoth to overrun us. And it doesn't help anybody. 
uh, solutions, really big solutions, moving into the executive function of the prefrontal cortex of our brains and taking this gray matter in order to create, you know, really sustainable, massive improvements is where we need to go. We need to continually innovate in a space because as we've seen in technology, where we double every so often and like in every week we're doubling sometimes, right? It feels like, but if we're able to just find a solution and then the next solution is how to scale that solution. And then next solution is how to scale it and grow it. And you know, that that's what we want to keep doing is inspiring people to come up with solutions like this tree company that builds all these, that plants all these amazing trees. So they're going to plant, I think 5,000 acres next year. Right. Well, how do we get it up to a million acres in three years? And how do we get it up to 10 million acres? Because if you come up with that solution in a small version and then you've proven it, then you can take it and scale it. And I think it's just a better form of existence. I don't succumb to the fear tactics and I don't say that they're not real, but it doesn't allow us to get out of that paralysis that we often are in. I mean, I've spoken to billionaires through a community I belong to called Abundance 360, who basically say we are effed. We are so, I was just in Antarctica, I was here or there, and there's tons of signs. We get it, there's signs. Now let's do something, let's come up with solutions. Let's put some money into things or find things that are scalable that if you put money into it, it'll help be the really big part of the solution. And that's just where I come from. I come from a process of being very futuristic as far as my thought process. I collect a lot of data and then I make things happen. And that's where we're at right now with what I'm doing in the world of entrepreneurship, which is why I did a film in the first place to really illustrate companies that are doing different things and to get our minds working, those gears turning on how you can take something as simple as socks, right? And John's crazy socks. And a lot of people who have differing abilities, like John Cronin, who's got Down syndrome, right? And then their whole staff who all have differing abilities and give them purpose and give them a spotlight like they never had before. They're not behind the scenes, they're right up front. So entrepreneurship is the key to what we're doing here, bringing awareness, right? Coming up with solutions. I don't know if you know Jeff Hoffman from Priceline. Have you ever have you ever spoken with him? So Jeff Hoffman, uh, one of the founders from Priceline, he created the, the kiosk that gave you your ticket at the airport. God bless him, right? Instead of standing in line for hours, you got these kiosks and he does the whole thing. But he actually rents a uh, cruise ship every year and he goes to ports with entrepreneurs who commit to at least two weeks to come solve problems through entrepreneurship, through business. And, And that's where I see the solutions coming from the innovation that happens within entrepreneurship and not from that fear aspect because it's a very low form of existence. It's from a scarcity mentality versus that abundance mentality, which is what feeds us so well. Mm. I really like that answer. And I want to stick with this paralysis as well, Steve, uh, mm-hmm. for these billionaires that say we are effed, you know, for yeah. these people that, that are coming to uh, Vanderbilt and saying, I don't know about this impact investing. They're, they're stuck in this paralysis. What's really maybe a common thing that, seems to resonate with a lot of these individuals. Well, when you're a billionaire and you believe you're screwed, then what? 
Do you give all your money to somebody? Do you find a solution yourself? Do you innovate or do you go into to a depression, right? Those are all options. And it's really an overwhelming thing when you can't um, come up with a solution. I don't know if you've seen the recent documentary with uh, Bill Gates, where he's solving some world problems. I'm aware of it though. Yeah, he, he, you know, it's not clean water according to him. It's um, sanitation, getting rid of all of the things that we have to get rid of. It's it's that people are getting sick and dying from, you know, uh, unfortunately not having proper proper septic systems. It's energy. You know, he doesn't think solar is our energy. He doesn't think wind is our energy. He thinks it's actually these small reactors with nuclear waste, by the way, that is has been used already and he can burn it even more and get rid of it. Yeah. Um, entrepreneurship is where we go with these things. You know, that's, that's, that's where the innovation happens. I think an entrepreneur is like an artist. I think we are artists and we use our businesses as our canvas to illustrate to the world how, we're, how we want to be seen and how we want to be impactful. And the better we like are that. at articulating it through our business, the better. You know, that's a really big thing. What I like to also say is the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, that beautiful 17 colors that we have, that's our palette. Consider using that palette to do some beautiful things. And that's the reason those SDGs were made, in my opinion, is just to bring awareness and a common language for people to be able to talk about what it is that they're doing in the world or even bring mindfulness or bring awareness to what some of the greatest challenges are. Because we know there's 169 targets. Those are right underneath the 17 sustainable goals. So each under each one are a whole bunch of targets. And they just illuminate a path for people. And when you're finding your why, maybe one becomes really important to you because you have an experience there. So I don't know if I answer the question, but you know, it, it's, hey, it's really how I feel about entrepreneurship in a, in a really big way, being able to make a difference and not being held back by those fears that, that we have. That's the real trick of entrepreneurship, right? Being able to manage fear in uncharted territory. That's the trick. So maybe the fear is causing the paralysis and, and getting out of that fear is what might you know release or unlock this cash flow towards or this mindset towards impact. Is that a fair you'll attract it you'll attract it you know when the dog sees you scared what does he do he bites you right and when when we're not certain people know it I really like these. I really like these, Steve. Steve, by the way, I'm, I'm going to be stealing that palette uh, analogy with the the UN SDGs. Absolutely, I'm Take taking it. that. I'm taking that. <laughs> Genius. You can have it. Genius. Well, Steve, um, you know, to wrap this up, uh, you know, we're just talking about art. We're using the the SDG wheel as a palette, and you can pick one and play with it. And entrepreneurs are artists. Um, art now for for uh, impact you. What is an artist's role in, in creating this impact and expressing these, this framework to um, you know the, the broader audience? Well, artists have uh, are very near and dear to my heart, um, as you may know. Um, but from an entrepreneurial artistry perspective, us using our businesses in meaningful ways and unique ways, I've decided to use a medium, uh, the medium of, of film. And through a documentary, 
So impactu.film instead of .com, it's .film, has a couple clips and requests. I have two documentaries up there. One's called Impact, the other's Igniting Impact. And Igniting Impact is a story of eight entrepreneurs and how they are using their businesses to change the world. And interesting enough, I mean, I'm all about inclusivity and being diverse, but without being intentional, it ended up that the film had five women and three men. I found that super unique. I didn't realize that that was going to happen, but it was a mindfulness of people in those areas that were more apt to be a little bit more likely to be doing good things with their businesses. So John's Crazy Socks is a male company, a father and son team. David Katz, you know, being into his business, which is the plastic bank. And then you got True Colors, microbrewery. I don't know, have, have you heard of True yeah, Colors? Yeah, I, I watched your video earlier today, yeah. There you go, so True Colors is run by active gang members. And, and Blanco De Nero or Corey Risborn is a member of the Bloods. I, I coach him every Monday morning at 8 a.m. in his digital marketing business now. He brought the Crips, the Bloods, and the Gangster Disciples to the table to a microbrewery run by the, an entrepreneur named George Katz, um, George Taylor, sorry, George Taylor. And his conditions were you had to remain in the gang that you were in. You had to be willing to work with rival gang members. And in Wilmington, North Carolina, they've had a 90 plus percent reduction in gang related violence because of the communication. Wow. It's amazing. Talk about right? impact. Talk about impact. So entrepreneurs just have such an ability to be able to make a difference. You know, you have from, from the women's side of things, there's this wonderful woman named Jora Carter, who's in the Bronx, who, who served under President Obama and President Bush in urban development, where she believes and has demonstrated that gutting a, an area because it's poverty stricken of its original culture is just not fair, not, not okay. And all of a sudden you displace all of these people by putting in a Starbucks here and raising the price of everything. She believes taking a community and keeping it culturally alive and giving the people who founded this community space and a voice is really important as she develops communities and one of them being the South Bronx, which is now having this revival. And the reason you'll know it does is because it's now called Sobro instead of South Bronx. And you see um, you, you see these appraisers running around taking pictures of things and she's developing that area. So I believe that film is the way we entrepreneurs work and learn and 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 I believe if, if they showed documentaries to educate us in college and in high school, I would have had straight A's other than, you know, other, otherwise, you know, reading the books and hearing from people who have never done anything that they're talking about. Well, that's not really relevant to us. We're, we're people who like to see things in action. We like to see things illustrated to us in a way that brings it to life. And the film's 31 minutes. We're showing it at Babson top entrepreneurship school in the country, right? So Babson, we're gonna be showing it to students, two, 250 students in, in uh, November. Incredible. We're gonna be showing it at another university. We're gonna be going out there into the world. We have an agreement and understanding with the ICC, the International Chamber of Commerce, 
for to distribute this to 45 million members globally to educate them wow. on the SDGs. So that's how I can be impactful from where I'm sitting. And that's how I'm able to do the things I'm doing because they fall within my why being able to take my passion for uh, sustainable transportation and electric cars or the building that we we own um you know a lead platinum building being an example but then also taking other entrepreneurs lifting them up in this medium we call film in a documentary style that allows people to really really deeply immerse themselves into an experience most people so it's 31 minutes called a short form documentary and most people um when they see it they said how long was that film i said 31 minutes and, you know it felt like five minutes it was just so engaging it kind of mm. grabbed me and pulled me in so i think that's kind of cool and i love that i love film festivals so it just kind of helps me live that congruent life to be able to send my message and in the process maybe being able to have an opportunity for people to invest into an entrepreneurial um, venture right. that could be impactful for them. And that's part of it. It's not everything. Well, Steve, I uh, just want to thank you for being a part of our canvas today. Uh, one of the best uh, reasons I like doing the podcast is you never know who's going to be on the opposite side of that screen. And uh, for that, we thank you. Uh, Steve, we talked about a lot today. Uh, we talked about your why and, and why that uh, initial finding um, manifests in everything that you do, um, which led to then impact investing. Uh, we talked a little bit about impact investing. What is impact? What is impact investing? Is it only for the influent? And then finally, we, we followed it up with uh, the SEG uh, uh, art wheel uh, used as a palette. Love that example right there. What you're doing as an artist with impact you and, and how you're spreading this impact to go back to your why of igniting these entrepreneurs and inspiring these entrepreneurs and organizations to ignite impact. Um, Steve, we appreciate your time here on the show. This takes a lot of leadership. So the last question I have for you, Steve, is what is your definition of a real leader? A real leader is somebody who mentors others to become the best version of themselves in order to discover their true leadership. In that process, we're able to share and grow both personally for ourselves, but those people that we mentor. So I think that's a big part of a real leader to be able to help leaders of leaders learn and grow. For Steve Destante, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, help leaders grow, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Steve. Thank you very much, Kevin. And thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast with Steve Destante. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And folks, if you haven't yet already subscribed to this terrific podcast, please do so now as we want to make sure we're continuing to help you grow along your journey. Also, if you want to rate and review this show, please do so now. It would really help it out, and I read all of them, so... Would love to kind of see what you all think about the podcast. And also, please join us on the next live podcast where we stream them to LinkedIn every week and on our Crowdcast platform. So all you got to do is go online to real-leaders.com slash podcast and RSVP for an upcoming interview with a leader like Steve Destante. I like that last name. I wish my last name was Destante. 
I might name my kid Destante. Destante Edwards. I like that. It's a nice ring to it. That's it for me, folks. Thanks for being a real leader. And always, keep it real.